Welcome back to Chin Music, a show about baseball and occasionally about music uh, with Roy Smalley, former Twins All-Star, current Twins broadcaster, Lavelle Emil III, Twins, former Twins beat writer, current Twins columnist. I'm Jim Suhan, also a former Twins beat writer, current Star Tribune columnist. Um, thanks for listening. Best way to listen to this show or any show at talknorth.com. Subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. We want to thank Aquarius Home Services all energy solar and my favorite clothing store twill in the dining galleria uh thanks to everyone who listens to any of the shows at talknorth.com check out talknorth.com we have the best sports lineup in town outdoor content variety content and we again we appreciate you listening uh so roy we haven't spoken since otani's deal became official uh any surprises about either location or amount um i I, I don't think I'm surprised. I mean, I think I, I think you just I, I think you have to just raise eyebrows a little bit. You have to have some reaction to that amount of money, and that um, he's going to be in that big uh, market, <clears throat> and the Dodgers once again are forking out all, uh, all this dough, and it's. I'm not surprised by any of it. I just think that you have to have, you know, like I say, you have to raise your eyebrows and go, hmm, <laughs> okay, uh, pretty, pretty incredible. Seven hundred million. Now you're a financial guy as well as being a former player who sometimes represented yourself. You have a great grasp on all the financial implications. Are you surprised that so much of it was deferred? And what you know, what does that actually do to the? actual, the real world value of it. I mean, I, I'm not worried about Otani. I think he's going to be able to eat three meals a day, but it is interesting that so much of the money's deferred. It really is. And uh, essentially what Otani has done is cut the value of the, you know, the, the uh, nominal value of the contract uh, down quite a bit. I mean, it's, uh, you know, 60 some million for 10 years, right? I mean, something like that is on the face of it. But in effect, with the the time value of, of money, in effect, what what he's done is he's cut that down to about 46 million, which hopefully will get that third meal in every day. Yes, uh, I, I think it I think it probably will. But I think it's interesting that it is it, it's an interesting compromise uh, there. Um, you know, the deferred money helps the Dodgers in any given year in terms of uh, in terms of uh, payroll and salary cap and all that. And the, and the players taken significantly less, although, you know, albeit uh, generational, uh, multi-generational life changing. Uh, so, um, it, it, I mean, it's still it's still a huge amount of money and he ought to be able to keep a fair amount of it by, by 10 years from today. And why would agents want a deal? I mean, is it as simple as the agent wants the biggest number that they can advertise? Hey, I got this guy seven hundred million, uh, and they don't really care as much what the actual value is, or is there something else going on here? You know, I'm not. I'm not really sure from the agent's uh, standpoint, or you know, I, I think it was. I, I think it was probably. I would love to have heard the the Good actual morning. negotiation. I, I would love to have heard the actual negotiation and how those conversations came about and what they were saying to each other about it and you know folding in the player and the players feeling said hey look i got you 600 million and or whatever it is um 
or I, I got to this on an annual basis, but over time it's going to be this. Are you okay with that? You know, I mean, it, it's, uh, it would have been fascinating to hear. I, I have no idea what, what, uh, what the agent's, you know, actual purpose was or, or whether he was against it or the player wanted to do it. I, you know, I really, I don't have a feel for that. I think it's, you know, Lavelle might have, you know, Lavelle's closer to agents than I am. He might, he, he, Lavelle, you might have an idea about what the hell that's, that meant. Yeah, Lavelle, we're talking about uh, obviously the size of Otani's deal was the headline grabber, but the fact that he deferred so much of it, which effectively reduces the value, I'm trying to figure out why, why he, why he would do that, and is he sending any kind of pressing? Um, I'm still baffled by one aspect of that because usually when you're dealing with uh, deferred money, there's interest involved. Mm-hmm. But apparently, in this case, there's no interest involved. So right. I'm, I'm, I this this is throwing me for a loop here as to how the Players Association is okay with this, uh, and some other GMs seem to be questioning it too. So, um, I, I this is this is a give back or a, or or a delay of payment like I've never seen before, um, and it's definitely gonna be precedent setting because um, this this won't be the last one now. Well, what I find, you know, especially since I've covered both the NFL and MLB as a beat writer and I got to know agents in both sports, I always felt like, especially in the NFL, the agent wanted the biggest number they could put out there that would be in a headline that would attract them other clients. Uh, So they didn't really care about the actual value so much as they cared about the perceived value because that was what built their reputation. And this feels like an NFL kind of deal where they're, you know, in the NFL, there's voidable years, there's difficult to reach incentives. There are all kinds of ways of reducing actual value. So I really do wonder if the agent just wanted a big number in the headline. Hey, the other crazy thing is too, is that um, I was reading something about uh, he'll probably not live in California. <laughs> so he could save about a hundred million in taxes on that 700 million. The Joe uh, Bauer move. Yeah. Buy a house in Fort Myers. Well, uh, I think a lot of you just told players to buy play, yeah. uh, uh, spots in Fort Myers or, or, or Texas. Florida and Texas are like two places uh, where you can really get more bang for your buck uh, in terms of house while getting the tax hit. So, um, yeah, because that was the argument. Someone said, well, since it's deferred, you know, he'll get the money after he's done playing. You know, he could be back in Japan then. And then California is out $100 million in tax money. <laughs> I would so, like to think I would like to think that you get to a certain tax bracket and you don't have to do those calculations. I mean, what's the point of making seven hundred million dollars if you can't just live the most convenient, best place you want to live? I mean, first thing I'd do is go buy a house in Mal- on on the beach and, and right outside L.A. Well, yeah. it, you know, he, I mean, that doesn't mean that he can't do that. Oh, true, uh, true. My, right. I mean, it's just a it's just a question of uh, where your you know your official state residency is and if you're there you know, more than six months in a day or whatever the California you know, deal is. You can't be here, you know, if you're in California six months or, you know, of time or more, then um, you um, you have to pay, you know, California tax. And, it, it, and so he could buy, home, he could own, he could be a, a real estate tycoon in California if he's not there, you know, 108, whatever it would be, 180 days or more. Uh, they they miss that they they lose out on the tax. So um, he could have a he could have a palace in um, you know whatever oceanfront he wants in Florida, and he could have a palace in Malibu. And as long as he 
is not in California for the uh, required number of days, then, then you know, that, that he's not paying tax, state tax on it. Good point. Uh, you know, Lavelle, were you about to say something? I was not. Okay. Um, so in a perfect world, either baseball would have a salary cap and a salary floor, and it would be much more like the NFL, which where every where you really have no, no excuse not to try to win. Uh, and your winning is dependent on intelligence and developing players, not just sheer financial weight. Uh, that doesn't look like it's going to happen. Uh, in another perfect world, the Polabs would just spend $300 million a year and buy all the players they want. Instead, we are in the current reality, which is that uh, the Polabs are not going, doesn't look like they have any guarantee they're going to get TV money this year. If they do get TV money, they don't know how much it's going to be. So it's going to be a pretty quiet offseason for the Twins on the free agency front, although I do expect them to make a trade or two. Are, where are we in terms of the the cast system in Major League Baseball. Because in the 90s, the Yankees started out spending everybody, and it kind of blew up the system and led to the Twins not even trying to compete in the late 90s. Now you have the Dodgers spending $700 million on a player while other teams are trying to cut costs. Is this a risk to the state of the game? Is this just more of the same, Roy? What do you think? Um, it's, more, it's more of the same. I mean, I think, I, I think it's going to – Ultimately, it's going to uh, it's going to continue to uh, put a floor a, a, a larger and larger floor or higher and higher floor on on salaries uh, for players. But it's not going to change uh, anything in terms of who can uh, who is going to get the you know the premier players and and so it's I mean it's going to be this it, all the usual suspects uh, and there's going to be six or seven or eight of them and then. It's then it will be, you know, market intelligence, as you say, it will be how, how can the rest of, you know, baseball figure out what they're how they're going to be able to uh, compete. And, you know, a lot of teams are figuring it out. The Yankees, you know, have, you know weren't in the, you know, in the playoffs uh, last year. Uh, they, they, they're going to do everything they can to, you know, keep up with Otani kind of signing. They've already done that. Um, um, with one player, so, uh, but it's going to be, it's going to be those teams that uh, stockpile big talent and pay them a bunch of money, and then it's going to that's going to be up to the performance of those guys. But ultimately, what we've seen is that the performance doesn't always. Um, you know, bear out the, um, the the fact that the the Yankees or anybody else got the player, and nobody else nobody else did. So, I think it'll still be competitive. I think prices, or, you know, salaries will will go up, and then it just is a question of whether or not these the, the usual suspect teams, you know, how high are they going to go? How 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 much? How many guys are they going to accumulate in those six places or whatever it is? You know, um, small market teams. I mean, the twins, the twins people were complaining to me last year when uh, the league decided to raise uh, the tax threshold because they said, "Well, that's twenty more million dollars for the Yankees to outbid us." So, I think in one way or another, the gap between uh, the big muscle teams and the small muscle muscle teams is continuing to grow, and um, there's like screams for 
uh, a salary cap and a salary floor, ceiling, whatever you want to call it, roof, basement, uh, whatever part of the house that you want to uh, compare it to. Um, they don't have to even go there. Just start one step they could take is that they can just put all their uh, television revenue in one pot and split it 30 ways. Um, that's what the NFL does. Um, they understand that, you know, they need to have teams to play. So when Jacksonville's playing at Dallas, you know, um, they need an opponent. And so that's how NFL owners uh, split their revenue. And baseball only does that. I think it's like 30% or something like that. They could do greater uh, sharing of TV revenue. And you wouldn't have this upheaval when Diamond Sports goes belly up and that ends up affecting like a third of the league's teams. It wouldn't be that everybody be in the same boat that way instead of uh, the league trying to, you know, piece together a TV package uh, for like San Diego or Arizona or Minnesota or however it's going to play out. So um, I just like to see them start with TV revenue. I think I believe the Yankees payroll is pretty much met by their Yes Network contract. You know, and no that's, a huge, that's, that's a huge going, advantage. Yeah. That's been going yeah. on for a long time, Lavelle. Their local TV and radio uh, pays for uh, all their payroll. And so it's it, it, everything, everything that's bought in the ballpark tickets and everything else and um, uh, national TV revenue. That's all that's all right to the bottom line, essentially. And to me, one of the most fascinating aspects of modern professional sports is you have completely complete imbalance financially in MLB between the Yankees and the Rays. There couldn't and they even play in the same division. And one of the but. Fascinating thing to me is how often smaller market or medium market teams succeed despite everything being stacked against them. Uh, the Dodgers have won one World Series since the 80s. The, the, the Yankees have won one World Series since 2000. Uh, now, I think you know being able to spend a lot of money can hide some mistakes and can keep you competitive even when, you're not, when your farm system isn't producing. But it, it's remarkable how few championships – are actually bought in baseball, which you would seem be the sport where you can buy a championship. Lavelle? Yeah, you you would think so. I, mean, I think it was like that for a while. I think it just comes down to making baseball decisions. Um, I think loving your playing field financially, you know, should be something they should be working toward. But it, it ultimately, it comes down to the decisions you make. And, um, you know, Brian Cashman is what the longest tenure general manager in baseball. And, you know, he's made decisions that have backfired on him. And um, and in a strange way, uh, if you spread out the television revenue, you would you would actually save some teams from themselves in terms of making bad decisions because a lot of it's based on overpaying someone and giving a, a guy, you know, $25 million a year when he's going to be like 47 years old, you know, <laughs> just so you can get some immediate benefit of, of him while he's still in his mid-30s. So, um I mean, that's a great point. I mean, the Rays have figured out the Rays have gamed the system pretty well um, with their scouting and development and, uh, you know, remaining relevant in the in the AL East, you know, with behemoths like the Red Sox and the Yankees in <coughs> Toronto. Um, you know, you do see that, um, you know, Texas, the World Series champion, they've spent a few bucks. It, it happens every now and then. But in terms of dynasties, it's definitely hard to maintain a dynasty. You may have a team that's good for a window, but uh, uh, dynasties like the Yankees, you know, you don't see that very often anymore. Well, you know what? It's it, and I agree with 
with all of that assessment, but it's, um, it's interesting to me. I mean, how do the Rays do it? You look at the, the, the usual suspect teams that, you know, that we're talking about and pay big bucks, and it's almost like the amount of money they have makes them lazy or makes – I mean, that's the easy way, right? Just find a, find a superstar and pay them a whole, a whole ton of money. Sometimes it works. And sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it's a, yeah, that person was, uh, you know, is really good, but we didn't spend any money on, you know, developing. We, we couldn't figure out the development of players or we didn't, we didn't make some smart decisions like the Twins did of trading a bunch of guys toward at the end of their career and getting bodies in the minor leagues. And some of, the, and some of those, you know, bodies are turning out uh, to be really uh, beneficial to the club. And so you, you, I, I really think that it's a uh, – I mean, why wouldn't the Yankees, for example, why wouldn't the Yankees say, you know what, we're making all of this money. Uh, why don't we just try to figure out if there is a way that we can make our scouting and, um, and co- coaching and farm system, you know, in the minor leagues, make it better than everybody else's so we just – so we get all we, – we don't make any mistakes. I mean – you can make mistakes on you know paying the wrong guy at the wrong age a whole ton of money, uh, and that's a bad mistake. But you can also make a whole bunch of mistakes in terms of not procuring young talent to keep you know keep feeding up to the up to the big leagues. And and that's I think that's why you know the the Twins in this case certainly the Rays. Um, the the Reds to some degree. I mean, there are, there are teams that you look at and say, you know, they've done, they have countered the the big pay by being by being smarter and uh, how they allocate resources. And and the big teams, they you know, when's the who's the last player on the Yankees right now? Who's the who is the guy that's a product of their farm system that's that is you know lights out. Um, you know, they, what's that? That's a good point. I mean, they, they don't, they, you look around the lineup, you look around the field position by position, and you go, well, they got this guy from there and this guy from there and they paid this guy here. And, you know, there wasn't a, uh, John Duran, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't anybody like that that came out of the farm system that, so anyway, I mean, not to put in the point more than, more than I have, but. I, I I really think that it, there's I, I there should be a premium on I mean the Rays should be the example and not the Yankees because the Rays are you know every bit as exciting year in year out uh, doing it the way they're doing it uh, as the Yankees are and and um, and the Twins are kind of in the Rays category and and that's what that's what they need to do as well I just don't understand why. That why there aren't more guys coming up with the Dodgers, coming up with the with the Yankees, coming up with the Cubs. Where it's boy, these guys are just you know these, these guys are lights out, and they the, and the Dodgers have five of them, and they're going to play in the big leagues next year. I mean, I, I just it, it's a, it's a different allocation of uh, resources, at least at least thought process. You know, I. I... I tend to think, you know, uh, that's a good point. I mean, the Yankees, the last Yankees dynasty was because of a core four that they developed, which was uh, right. Jeter, Posada, Williams, and Mariano Rivera, correct? Yep. Um, yep. That's the last time they had their – Actually, their... Uh, 
Actually, I would say uh, Jeter, Mariano, Bernie, and Pettit were the original, and then Posada joined in. But ninety, you know, when they won their first World Series, Posada wasn't even playing. They were uh, uh, Joe exactly. Girardi. That's not correct. Uh, Posada yeah. ended up Posada ended up joining that core, but it was really Jeter, Mariano, Bernie, and Pettit who were making no money when those teams were winning championships. All right, and then the Dodgers, I believe, had what four or five straight rookies of the year. I'm talking mm-hmm. about was that run with the. With, uh, with uh, Piazza, Eric Carroll, Todd Hollinsworth, I can't remember the fourth. Um, they like have four straight rookies of the year. Although the, the the Dodgers farm system is considered to be pretty strong right now, but they keep training everybody. And I also believe um, it's almost like Yankee like. Like if you were a Yankees prospect, you automatically were supposed to be better than everyone else. Like Ricky Leday, you know, he was supposed to be like the next great Yankees outfielder, but he got overhyped because he was a Yankee. Um, uh, Ruben Rivera, <laughs> how about that guy? He came up super hype. I think that's happening a little bit with some of the uh, Dodgers prospects right now. But you know, to Roy's point, um, you end up admiring a team that's able to do it without having to break the bank. I imagine I'm imagining that Rays fans are pulling their hair out of their heads though when you're, they're trading someone like Tyler Glass now. You know, um, uh, a guy that they fleeced the Pirates for. <laughs> Uh, Chris Archer for Glass now and Austin Meadows, right? Something like that. Yeah, they, they, they yeah. got like two studs in that deal. Um, yeah, incredible. incredible deal. If, I, if I'm a if I'm a Rays fan, I might be pulling my hair out of my head. If I'm a Marlins fan, I believe the Marlins won twice won the World Series and tore on the team the next year. Uh, I, I wonder what it's like to be a Marlins fan, but at least they've won, you know. So um, I'm, it'd be interesting to see how Twins fans, if they were in the shoes of some other fan bases, how they would react to uh, some moves and decisions. You know, just, just the, the final the final point on this, I was thinking of the Dodgers, you know, trading people away. And I mean, if it, it, it's a double, it's a double whammy mistake. If you, if you sign uh, uh, players to be, and then I think this is the, they'll be the Yankees too. I mean, if you sign players to huge contracts that are stars that are, you know, by definition, at least midway, if not more, you know, in, and they don't pan out, and you have also made bad decisions about trading good play, good minor league players away, or made the wrong decision about who's good and who's who's going to be great. To your point, Lavelle, and who's who turns out to be good and who doesn't. I mean, that's a double whammy mistake that that keeps you from you know from winning, and and I, I think we're seeing that. All right, on to some twins topics. Once again, thanks to Aquarius Home Services Studio, uh, studio, and thanks to Aquarius Home Services. Ho, ho, ho. The holiday season is here, and so are the cold winter temps. Is your old worn-out furnace keeping you warm? Aquarius Home Services is here to help keep you cozy all year long with our holiday super sale. Give your home a cozy, comfy, worry-free upgrade and enjoy 25% off a new whole home heating and cooling system. Visit AquariusHomeServices.com today and schedule your free in-home consultation. Aquarius, earning the right to be recommended. Also want to let you know that all energy solar panel installations are done right and made easy thanks to more than 14 years of experience in Minnesota and beyond. All Energy Solar is ready to take any solar project from design to installation and everything in between, whether you're talking about home, business, or both. Find out more about going solar at allenergysolar.com slash coach. Also, shout out to my favorite uh, clothing store, Twill in the Dining Galleria. I'm wearing a kind of a classy looking winter hat that actually has 
the ear flaps that fold out. So when you look at it, it looks like just a nice baseball cap, like kind of a dressy baseball cap. But if you're walking around after midnight in Minnesota, coming home from a, a ball game or something, you can actually pull down the ear flaps. So you don't even need to carry a, uh, you know, extra winter gear with you. They have all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, I don't really enjoy winter a lot, but I do like wearing all the clothes I get from Twill to keep me warm and comfortable during the winter. TwillMN.com, Twill in the Dining Galleria. All right, on to some Twins uh, moves, and I'm going to start with Lavelle here. So, you know, the scuttlebutt around Dick Bremer is that, you know, this wasn't exactly what he wanted. Um, and we've heard that the Twins have got rid of a couple of scouts. Lavelle, is are there financial problems leading them to make some moves that save them a little bit of money in those areas, or do you think these these decisions are independent of whatever happens with their revenues? Uh, I'm not sure about the the, the Bramer situation. I'm I'm more I, uh, I my guess on that is that uh, because of the end of the uncertain future with the television broadcasting, maybe the Twins thought it was a good time, you know, for a reset in that in that whole situation. Because I think Bramer was going for what 40 years or 30 years yeah. as a uh, in the in the booth in the broadcast booth, and he won't get that opportunity. Um, so I wonder if they if they're using that as you know this is a good time to kind of reset our whole broadcasting setup here and and, and make a couple moves here. So um, I mean I, I kind of feel bummed out for Dick. Uh, and <laughs> sometimes you know uh, he is he has throttled our pregame press conferences with his questions, uh, but at the same time he's a, he's actually a nice guy who loves the Twins. Loves the twins and wants to see him do well. So I, I kind of feel bad that the rug's being pulled out from under him a little bit here. In terms of the scouts, um, yeah, it looks like they're trying to cut corners a little bit. And a couple of people I talked to, um, their analysis was that this it was a sudden decision, a sudden budgetary decision that led to them um, parting ways with a, a couple of their scouts. Um and uh, the way it was explained to me by uh, a high-ranking official is that the Twins still have one of the larger scouting staffs in baseball, and more uh, other teams have downsized in recent years. And the Twins felt that this day was coming, so um, this is what this kind of fueled some of their decisions that they're just doing what other teams have done, which is kind of streamline their scouting. But um, I just have problems with some guy like Billy Milos has been there for so many years and has has brought players from every direction um independent ball latin america uh college you know he has put his name next to so many players who have panned out um i just it's hard for me to see why they they can't find a, a spot uh for him to uh, re- remain with an organization i think he spent 29 years with the twins uh before they parted away so yeah i think some of i think in terms of scouting um it looks like they're uh, I don't want to say pinches and pennies, but they're definitely you know trimming there. And uh, the Bremer thing maybe have had to do with the uh, Bally Sports North thing it's a fiasco. So as far as actual Twins news, this is probably going to be a fairly slow offseason. I don't think they're going to sign any big free agents. They, I think they will make a couple of trades, at least one trade, uh, but we don't know who it's going to be yet. Uh, one thing I've heard, and part of this is from conversations with our, our beat writer at the start to even Bobby Nightingale, partly from conversations with other people, Sounds like they'll probably trade Polanco or Kepler, save a little money, try to get a young pitcher. Uh, which would you rather trade, and which do you think the market likes more? Let's start with Roy. Well, I think 
Um, Polanco is the maybe the more valuable uh, around the league. Um, I, um, Kepler has done himself a great, uh, just a great service in terms of value by uh, be, becoming the defensive outfielder that uh, that he is. And and we've talked before about how tough it is to play and target field uh, well. And you know the. the the league knows that. I mean, the league the league looks at you know me and that guy's a good defensive outfielder. Well, yeah, he can go get the ball and he throws he throws pretty well and you know all that kind of stuff. But um, but he also is, it, it has adapted to his environment and uh, at Target Field, all those things you know make him valuable. The question mark just like it's been for the rest of us here. I mean, who? What's the real Max Kepler? And if if the real Max Kepler is a guy that at best is gonna is gonna give you a half a season uh, of of being hot, um, then you know the value is not you know quite th- as much as a middle infield guy that can play uh, solid, if not better than uh, solid uh, second base and switch hit. And have the track record that uh, that Polanco's had uh, over um, it, tough at bats and driving in big runs and and all the. Um, I think Polanco is a pretty it should be a valuable commodity in, uh, around baseball. Man, uh, you guys know how I feel about Orhe, um, a switch hitter who can play second and a little bit of third, um, can bat you know at the top of the order, takes you know professional at bats. Um, I think he has value. I think he's got more more value than Kepler, and um, and he's also under control for one more year uh, potentially because of the option on his contract. So um, I think there is some cost certainty there that would make him uh, the more attractive of the two. And I think uh, moving him could help land the Twins a pitcher who can at least you know be a middle of that rotation starter, um, maybe close to the top one or two spots. Uh, don't think it's going to be like a perennial all-star guy. And once again, we don't know who's available yet. <laughs> you know, uh, we're still not know, we still don't know which team is willing to trade starting pitching uh, other than the race moving class now. So I would have Polanco ranked over, over Kepler. Now, you know, teams have always value Kepler's defense. Um, they, they saw the arm they saw how he played right field and target field. And, and that's always made teams interested in him. So I think there should be a market for both those guys. But I think they can get more in return for Orihe than uh, than Max. Yeah, and the interesting thing is too, I keep hearing from people in the game that Kepler's value is higher than we in Minnesota think it is. Uh, scouts and analytics people tend to like his underlying numbers and his defensive range. So he actually, you know, I I, I agree. I kind of value Polanco more than Kepler, but other teams might be willing to give you something for Kepler, which is going to be. Probably the most interesting aspect of this whole offseason. Let's wrap up today uh, with just one of our famous final thoughts on anything you like, which can be music, pop culture, or a baseball issue. Uh, Are you ready to go, Lavelle? If you're ready, you fire away. Yeah, I'm mad at the Twins. I'm really disappointed in them, okay? Because when I talked to to a couple of officials after the season, uh, they were talking about pitching options, and I said, remember when you guys – signed Michael Pineda and basically paid him $3 million to finish his rehab. And then you paid him $7 million, uh the next year once he entered the rotation. I said, could you consider 
doing that with Tyler Molly. <clears throat> and they said, we're looking at that. So I, I, that helped that made me hold out hope that uh, the twins, you know, may try to run it back with Tyler, you know, pay him a little bit this year then pay him more in 2025 and try to get some value out of what has been a lopsided, lopsided trade uh, with the Reds, which they gave up Juan Encarnacion Strand, Spencer Steer, and Steven Hayar, I believe you pronounce his last name. Um, three guys who who were two already in the majors, and Steven's got a chance to reach the majors too. So um, I was a little bummed out to see yesterday that Tyler Motley has signed such a contract with the Texas Rangers. Um, they're paying him $5.5 million. Uh, in 2024, as he completes his rehab from Tommy John, and he's there's he's scheduled to make 16 in 2025, and maybe that second number turn the twins off. But uh, 16 million, I the at the price of average pitching in Major League Baseball today is about 12 to 13 million, so it's not that far from average. Um, and he could be back by the All Star game, so he could be in rotation uh, in July, August, and September. Um, on a five and a half million dollar deal for this year, so um, you're actually getting a little bit of a bargain that way. Uh, I just I think this is a deal the Twins. I wish the Twins would have signed it. I don't know. Maybe they made an offer and Tyler decided I'm going with the team that was in the World Series last year. Sorry, that's very possible. But uh, I'm still a little bummed out that it, this is uh, reading that he's going to be a Ranger and not uh, figured out a way to stay with the Twins. Roy, you can either respond to that or just hit us with your final thought. Yeah, here's my final thought for today. It's kind of been uh, on my mind, you know, potential trades and all that. I think the most significant unknown uh, that we'll, we're going we're gonna to know at, at some point in time, but not knowing right now is, is the most significant uh, uh, for, in my opinion. And that is how good a player is Brooks Lee going to be, and how soon is that going to happen? Mm-hmm. I I, I, th- I just think it's 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 the it's the critical question right now uh, in my mind. And uh, boy, th- everything would change if you knew exactly what you had there. If he could play second base, and uh, looks like he can hit, uh, a, a whole lot of things you know start. Uh, start changing in terms of then who plays first base, you know, Julian or Kirilov is the one of them, them become expendable. I mean, there's all kinds, we don't have to go into it. You obviously know my point. I just, I just think that's, that's the most significant uh, unknown at this, at this point. Yeah. And I think that'll be a great topic for next week and, and the rest of this winter, because I've been thinking exactly the same thing, which is, you know, if, if Brooksley is going to come on fast, and he's going to pull a Royce Lewis, then a lot of things fall into place. If he's not, then they might be a bat short, and trading Kepler or Polanco could really end up hurting. So good good thoughts. Um, I don't know that I have a great final thought. I, here's my final thought. You t- Roy, you made a great point about the Yankees and other teams of their spending ilk. Uh, they should probably invest even heavier in player scouting and development because that's the, it's the underpinning of every great team. Other than the one Marlins team that really literally bought a, a World Series, every team that wins the World Series has had a great wave of young players and then they've augmented it in the right way. And I do give the Twins credit for this. I do think they've built out their system. They're, uh, 
I think they've spent a lot of money on development. I think they've spent a lot of money on analytics, computers, computer analysts, uh, you know, and, and maybe we're starting with this wave of success here uh, in this last year, uh, the 2019, 2020 teams where they were basically as good as anybody else in baseball in the regular season. Uh, maybe we're seeing that all take uh, hold in some way, but uh, we'll get more into the, uh, you know, Roy's point about Brooksley. I think that's probably a great starting point for next week, unless the twins uh, surprises make some news. So for today, Thanks for listening to Chin Music. We do appreciate it. Check out Don Mitchell's new show at TalkNorth.com. Don of Sports, one of our first guests was the great Jim Cott. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.